Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The reason we've lost the power is because we are no longer, we are not looking at a church that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit to get the job done. Now we're looking at a church that is dependent on budgets and buses and programs and the things of the world to get the job done. So you have the church almost in many churches, not this one at Calvary Chapel, but a lot of churches looking like the world in order to attract the church. Have I been talking about this lately? I'm right about it. The the church is trying to look like the world in order to attract the world when in fact the church, listen, here's a news flash for you. The church needs to be different than the world so that the world can see, hold on, I'm going to give you a chance to clap, hold on, Uh, hold on, so that the world can see that the church is different and what they have, they need, and there is an attraction there from the world to the church. Not that the church would become like the world so that the world can look at the church and go, well, they just like us. There's no need to go over there to the church. You see what I'm saying? So now you can clap your hands for Jesus. There you go. We don't need to become like the world in order to attract the world. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and do the work for us so that the world will see that we are different from them and they will be attracted to us. But if we start to become like them, then there is no attraction. And I've been talking about this a lot, and I know I've been talking about this a lot, and I think that it's not because I'm trying to. It keeps coming up in my spirit. It keeps coming up in the Word. we got to be different. Say amen. amen. we got to be different. Why do we feel we need to do what the world is doing so that we can... Make it attractive to the world. We're supposed to be different. Somebody clap your hands and get excited about that. Can you do it? And don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on nobody. Don't walk out of here and think Pastor Rodney hating on nobody. I'm not hating on nobody. I love everybody. I'm just trying to help you understand that we don't need to be trying to become like the world in order to be, to get to attract the world. Because here's the thing, y'all. We don't need to become like the world because God's going to do what God's going to do. He don't need your help. God's going to save folk. If God wants to save people, he's going to save people. If I was playing spoons, I could be up here, but and God, folk be coming down. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want Jesus. 
That'd be the worst thing ever. I mean, you'd be like, whoa. Talk about God using stuff. That, that Agag thing was nothing compared to that, you know? God can do what God is going to do. The church has lost its power because we're trying to become like the world. Enough of that. This beggar is at the temple begging. And the disciples asked Jesus in our text, who sinned, he or his parents? Now listen, in Jesus' day, it was a common theological belief that a child could sin in the womb. Genesis 25, this is where they get this from. Genesis 25, 22, Jacob and Esau are wrestling in the womb, remember? And Rebecca was having a difficult pregnancy, and they asked God why. And God said, there's two nations in your womb. Listen, that'll always produce a tough pregnancy. You got two nations in your womb fighting. Rebecca, there's World War III going on in your womb. Prophetically, literally, <laughs> there's World War III. The Jews also believe that children were affected by their parents' sin. And that is true. Think about it. Crack babies, AIDS babies. And think about this man living under this condemnation. What did I do to cause this? Maybe there was some bitterness toward his parents. They did this to me. Maybe there was some bitterness toward God. God, this isn't fair. Some of the disciples asked that question, Lord, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said what? What did he say? Neither he or his parents have sinned because Jesus knows that suffering and sickness and disability and death are in the world because of sin. Romans 5, Romans 8, 18 through 25. Jesus said this man is blind that God might be glorified. And the answer that Jesus gives is not about the human who the blindness came from, but what it is leading to. In other words, the cause of this blindness is not past sin, but future effect. Look at verse four. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Verse five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is talking about something more than this man's healing so that the man can see natural light. Jesus is saying, I am the light that this man needs to see, which many seeing people are too blind and many blind people See, interesting. The Bible has a lot to say about physical and spiritual blindness, doesn't it? Blindness, if you're taking notes, is a picture of spiritual darkness. Ephesians 4, 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Whose mind, the gods of this age, is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. Psalm 82.5 talks about we walk in darkness. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is light, darkness, and they stumble. Jeremiah 5.21, hear this now, foolish people. Without understanding, who have eyes and do not see, and who have ears and do not hear. And fast forward, to look at verse 39 in John. Turn with me. Look at John. Look at verse 39. Look at verse 39. John 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made what, saints? Blind. So according to Scripture, Men are triply blind. We are blinded by sin. We are blinded by Satan. We are blinded by the sovereign God. Spiritual blindness. The only way for the blind to see is that Jesus sees them. And Jesus would take the time to reach out and touch them. Spurgeon said this. 
It is not our littleness that hinders Christ, but our bigness. It's not our weakness that hinders Christ. It's our strength. It's not our darkness that hinders Christ. It is our supposed light that holds back his hand. Why did he do it? What was the purpose? The purpose of it was for the glory of God. Verse 2, point number 3, the power in verse 6 through 9. Now up to this point, Jesus has not said a word to this man. The man has been listening, and all of a sudden, Jesus turns. Are you traveling with me? All of a sudden, Jesus turns, and he spits on the ground. He made clay with saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with spit and clay. Now, you've heard the phrase. Have you heard the phrase? Here's mud in your eye. You heard that phrase? It means cheers. It means bottoms up. It means here's a toast to you. The exact origin is unknown. Some say it originated when farmers clicked glasses just before the plow time, wishing each other a good season. And then some say that this toast came from the Bible story here in John 9, where mud in the eye is a medium of healing and well-being, like the beverage that goes down. And so... Why did Jesus use spit and mud is the question to heal the man. Well, commentators are all over the place. Listen, one commentator said he wanted to make use of the healing quality of spit. Uh, That don't make sense to me. Another commentator said he wanted to make him blinder than he already was. (laughs) One said it was to symbolize that the man was made from dirt. Another said he wanted to create a delay to scatter the crowd. What crowd? Somebody else said it symbolized the mud-plastered eyes of unbelief. Maybe. You know what? You want me to tell you why Jesus may, may use the spit in the mud to heal the man? You want me to tell you why? Because he wanted to. <laughs> Write that down as a commentary from me. All right? And look at verse 14. Verse 14 tells us it was the Sabbath. Then Jesus could have said, you know, he could just speak a word and the man could be healed. Yes? Say yes. Yes, Jesus could say be healed and the man would have been healed. But I believe Jesus spit in the dirt and made clay on the Sabbath because Jesus is having a little fun with the Jewish leaders and making them crazy and agitating them. I love Jesus because they believe that spit, get this, they believe that spit on the dirt made a furrow and that was plowing and was working on the Sabbath. Now listen, you were allowed to spit on a rock, but you were not allowed to spit on the dirt. So Jesus, listen to this, saints, broke four of their laws. I underscore their laws, not God's laws. Number one, he spit on the dirt. Number two, he made a furrow. Number three, he made mortar. That was work. And then he applied it to the eyes, and that was healing, number four. Now you were allowed to heal only in certain situations like only to save a life, but you couldn't mend a broken bone on the Sabbath. You could put a tourniquet on something that was bleeding on the Sabbath, but you couldn't mend a broken bone. Broken bone. They would fight over these pet, this petty stuff, and Jesus, I think, is just having a little fun. Look at verse 7. Now Jesus speaks to a man, and he says to the man, and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I think the man said, thank you. Anybody got a bacterial wipe? The pool of Siloam means what, saints? Sent. The man went, probably led by somebody. 
he washed, he came seeing. And after this healing, you don't hear angels singing or heaven rattling or trumpets blowing or people walking around and waving their coats. No, why? Because back to my first point, we're talking about God who made the universe and healing a couple of eyes is no big deal to him. He went, washed, came, seeing, period, small thing for Christ. So obviously the man comes running and seeing stuff he's never seen before. Y'all get me here. He's healed. Stay with me. He's healed. He's coming back and he's walking by stuff. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, man. Because he never seen any of this stuff before. And then there are people who see him coming back and they say, what is he doing running around by himself? Don't know where he's going. I mean, where, where is he going? And, and he's by himself. And some people said, no, it's not him. It's someone that looks like him. And the man said, no, I'm Stevie Wonder. Of course it's me. He finally gets his sight, but they lose theirs. They can't see him. The man came back seeing natural light, but that isn't enough. No, Jesus cares that the man sees spiritual light. In chapter 5, Jesus healed a man. Were you with me in chapter 5? Jesus healed a man crippled for 38 years, and Jesus found him later and said, see, you are well, sin no more. In other words, I healed you, yes, but I've tracked you down to make sure you know holiness is the main point. And that's the real healing. Go and sin no more. Look at verse 35 and 30, 38 through 38 of chapter 9. Jesus does the same thing with this blind man. Jesus found him and later asked him, how do you, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, yes. He said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped Jesus. Now, quick, look, it all comes together right here. Here's the connection. Jesus as the light of the world. Jesus is the great I am who was here before Abraham. Seeing Jesus as God and worshiping him was the main point. And the most important thing is the man sees the glory of Jesus and worships him. And this is what he did. This is the ultimate healing. Finally, point number four, the perplexity. Real quick, look at verse 10. They said, how were your eyes open? Did you get that? He doesn't go into a big theological explanation. He doesn't say, well, you know, throughout Scripture, since the world began, darkness covered the face of the deep. Then God said, let that be like, he doesn't go into all of that. He gives him just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. The man said, a man called Jesus spit in my eyes and said, go wash. I did, I could see, and that's all I care about. In verse 12, they said, where is he? He said, what did he say, saying? I don't know. And he really doesn't know. And he's going to run into Jesus again a little later. And Jesus is going to touch his sightless soul the next time. But here's the perplexity. The perplexity is they were perplexed that this man had known, been known to be in this condition all of his life. And now he's different. He can see. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, the world should see and be perplexed at how different you are. I really believe this. And I'm coming in for a landing. Y'all can go get your chicken sandwich. Give me a second. When you give your life to Jesus, I really believe that there is a change that will take place. And I believe that there will be a visible change that will take place. That you will look different when you give your heart to Jesus.
that you will act different when you give your heart to Jesus. Am I right about it, somebody? Am I right about it? That you'll look different. Because your relationship with Jesus, your relationship is different. And now when people, you'll, you'll tell people what happened in your soul and you'll tell people what happened in your life and you'll tell people, I once was blind, saints, come on, help me. I once was blind, but now I see. You tell people, I'm not going to the club anymore. I'm staying with Jesus. I said that last service. And I was talking about how when Jesus changed your life, he changes you from the inside out. Greg, Pastor Greg last night said it. You come to Jesus with your baggage. You come to Jesus just as you are, and then he changes you. You don't wait to change and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus, and he changes you. Is that right? And I was talking about earlier last service that, 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 that you come to Jesus and he changes you. And so we have to be careful that when people are, are coming to Jesus, that we allow the Lord to change them and we don't judge them when they come to church. We don't look at, we don't, I'm waiting while somebody clap your hands there. Or we don't look at somebody that just walked in the door and, you know, maybe, you know, she walked in the door and maybe her dress too tight. And we look at her like, mm, girl, your dress too tight. And you know, and you know, you ain't got no been wearing that to church. Look at, you look at, you don't do that. Because how do you, how do you know? Maybe she, maybe she just came from the club. Maybe she did just come from the club. And while on the way home from, and while on the way home from the club, the Holy Spirit said, you need to go over there to Calvary Chapel because that's a good preacher over there. Go over there to Calvary. You need to get on over there and get on over there and get that word. And she just said, she coming from a club. She ain't got on, she, she, she's all tight. She ain't got nothing. She every, everything. <laughs> Lord, pray, pray for me. Pray for me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. And, and you know, she just coming from the club. I see, we'll look at her. Somebody coming from the club. we we'll go, oh, man, she just coming. And, may, and maybe that's all she has to wear. So she coming to church and she wearing what she has. But we look at her and judge her, but that's all she has. Well, listen, I said that very same thing in last service. A lady came up to me last service and she told me, she said, 20 years ago, I was that woman. She said, Pastor Ronnie, she said, 20 years ago, I was that woman. She said, I came to church. She said, I had just left the club. She was a dancer. And I ain't talking about dancing with the stars. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Uh-huh. Stay with me. I'm going to let you go. All right. I ain't talking about dancing with the stars. She was a dancer. And she said, I was one of those women. She said, I came to church after leaving the club at 7 o'clock in the morning. I came to church. She said, and people looked at me and so on and so forth, but I knew I needed to be in church. And she said, that day she gave her life to Christ, and you should see her today. She looks like She's a Christian and loving Jesus. Because you can't judge people. Because when Jesus comes in and the light comes on, everything gets, becomes different. And you don't look the same, and you don't act the same, and you don't, you don't even talk the same. Christians don't, Christians don't talk the same. Christians shouldn't be using bad language. Uh-huh, I only heard this half say amen. Some, <laughs> Some of y'all, some of y'all, y'all want to make an appointment? 
Huh? Some of y'all got a little problem, don't you? I know. Christians shouldn't be using bad, bad language. No. Let your words be seasoned with grace. And we don't need to be using bad language. I'll never forget this one. I first served my wife, remind me her name. The lady's name was Pat. Y'all wouldn't know her. That's why I'm telling your name. Not unless Pat is in here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she, boy, Pat was something else. She be talking to you? And all she just talking about Jesus, all oh, about the cross and the, the Jesus and the, and the burial and the cross. And all of a sudden, she had blank, 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 blank. And you'd be like, I never forget. So, when she first did it, it threw me off. My wife was saying this. She's like, she's like, yes, and Jesus, son, the blank, the blank, the blank, blank. I looked at my wife, I went, did you just hear what she just said? And she had no problem with it. She didn't know. I don't think, I don't think Pat knew. You know, I'm like, Pat, sweetie, 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 baby. Don't talk like that. God, God wants you to be different. God wants you to look different. God wants you to talk different. God, God wants you to dress different. You know what? If you got something else with you, all that, all that stuff, all these kids are sagging and carrying on. Don't be sad. I, mean, I do have to admit, one time I did, you know, I'm talking about dressing, people dressing the clothes. I, I did have to one time, I, this one kid came up, he, he's sagging, got sagging down the head. Y'all know what sagging is? Yeah. Some of y'all said, some of y'all looking at, looking at me like, sagging? <laughs> Martha, what is sagging? <laughs> sagging? What <laughs> sagging? Sagging. <laughs> Well, last, all right, last service, I'm telling y'all, I'm letting y'all go home. I'm serious. What does it mean when a preacher says in closing? Nothing, nothing absolutely nothing, okay? <laughs> so uh, this guy, he was saying, okay, last service, these ladies came up to me, and they were elderly, elderly ladies, not old, but they were elderly, like over 60 or something. And uh, they were elderly, and they said, they said, you got to explain sagging. These two little, two little white ladies. They said, you can explain sagging. She said, they said, because sagging to us means something totally different. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, Whew. God knows that was hilarious. I said, that's hilarious. I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> She said, sagging, they said, both of them, two of them, they said, sagging to us means something totally different. <laughs> a sagging, like kids were sagging with the pants down to here. And a guy, I did say something, I don't normally say anything, but I, I did say something one time. He had pants down to here, and he had a pair of boxers and some uh, shorts underneath that, and some shorts underneath that, and sagging down to here. And I went, what in the world? I said, pull your pants up, who your mother? And she was standing right there. He go right there. I said, "Damn boy, tell him to peel them pants up. Come in." He go, "Oh, oh. I'm be sad because you're a Christian. You look different. You act different. The light of Jesus is in your life, and and you look different. You act different." And people ought to be perplexed when they see you, when Jesus steps in. And I love this. I love this idea that nobody recognized them when he got 
saved, when he got healed, nobody recognized him. There was mass confusion because when you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is mass confusion because you are so different. I am a witness. You are so different. And God wants to make you different. And God wants you to receive your sight. And God wants you to see him. And when you see him, listen to me, when you see him, then God will begin to work in your life and change your life in all aspects of your life. Not only giving your life to him, but committing your life to him and making decisions that he would have you to make and being that woman of God, that man of God that God wants you to be. And I think that's why I want to tell you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.